0: I've noticed that each fall we come back together after the summer vacation joining for our in-gathering service with the water communion and then in the deep winter we often join together at a time for a fire communion and then in the spring we have both a flower communion and an earth day celebration and so what i've wondered for a while is what about that most common of things what about the fourth element What about celebrating the earth, the air, that surrounds us all? Air is that element that gives us survival and that we don't actually notice that much. We don't see it. We see evidence of air through our senses. We feel the wind blowing on our skin, or we see the branches of trees blowing in the wind. We can hear sounds, voices, and music carried through the air. We see light and darkness in the air, along with clouds in the sky, rainbows, things of the air, but not the air itself. We breathe in air, we feel it expand our lungs as oxygen spreads to every cell in our bodies, creating life. And we see stars and we see objects far out in space, reminding us that air is more than that. Thin band of oxygen that covers the surface of this planet. These are the words of John Fire Lame He says, and I quote Listen to the air. You can feel it, hear it, smell it, taste it. Weonoa Wakan, the holy air which renews all by its breath. Weonoa Wakan, Spirit, life, breath, renewal. It means all that. When Oa, we sit, don't touch. But something in there, we feel it between us, is a presence. A good way to start thinking about nature, talk about it. Rather, talk to it. Talk to the rivers, talk to the lake, talk to the winds as to our relatives. That's the end of that quote. Today, we will celebrate error, beginning with how we hear and how we listen. The universalist religious educator and minister, Angus McLean, grew up as a young farm boy in Nova Scotia, and he later became a beloved professor and theologian at the Theological School of St. Lawrence University. He loved to talk in metaphors using his experience of rural life. And this is one of his metaphors. He says, my father sent me up from the root cellar to see about the wind. He was checking the winter's potatoes to remove all signs of rot, and he was planning on setting out nets for some fresh cod later on. He called out, was there a steady breeze? He wanted to know. Yes, there was. Now face it, he said, so that the wind sings in both your ears. Then tell me, where does your, no- when, where does your nose point to? What a great metaphor about finding our direction in life by finding carefully by making sure the wind blows in both of our ears until we hear the wind clearly and equally. Let us pause for a moment to listen to the wind blow, helping us steer the direction of our lives.
1: I invite you to listen as I read this poem, Wind Chimes at My Window by Richard Gilbert, followed by listening to some wind chimes for almost two minutes. I sit in my office at work, my mind full of ideas, too many ideas, when suddenly and without warning, a gentle breeze moves through the open window and sights my wind chimes. Their gentle ringing distracts me from the bust of my computer and transports me to another realm. It is sheer beauty, an exquisite sound that resonates with the deep places of my being. I stand in a monastery courtyard, taken with the beauty of carefully raked gravel, lovely bushes, and bamboo. It is all too perfect. It could not have been arranged any other way. A gong sounds, a deep, mellifluous chime that seems to come from an eternal past and beckons me to contemplation. Its resounding tone reminds me of the mystery within. I purchase a small bell, a replica of the great gong. It hardly imitates the gong's majesty but it reminds me that I have an inner life, that everyone has an inner life. It is a reminder to give time to the journey within. Wind over chimes, hammer on gong, tiny clapper on bell, sound of the spirit, sounds that have echoed down through the ages. Sounds that have inspired monks and priests and priestesses and gurus and oracles and prophets. And all who have aspired to hear the inner music of creation. Sounds that speak of ultimate things. Music for healing the heart. The breeze blows in my window again and stirs the wind chimes. A tiny tinkling becomes a melodious scale. And I hear for a time an inner music that restores, and I am glad.
0: Light. Air carries light waves that allow y- us all to see, and that give color and variety to the world around us. We turn on a light switch, and the room is illuminated. We turn off the switch, and the air surrounding us becomes dim and dark. So let me tell you of a story about light that's become something so common to us through the invention of the light bulb. I'm going to start off this morning by talking about Thomas Edison, who you probably all know. It was back in 1879 that Thomas Alva Edison invented the light bulb. And everyone was so excited when the light bulb came along because suddenly we didn't have to light. Candles anymore. We didn't have to find lanterns and fill them with oil and have them spill all over the place and then have dim flickering lights. People considered the light bulb a miracle because all we had to do was turn on a switch and then light was filled the room with this nice warm glowing yellow sensation. But the problem is but the light bulb actually didn't last all that long. It would only last a day, two days, three days. And so pretty soon people got very disenchanted with the light bulb actually. It was so expensive to buy it and it didn't last long enough. So although Thomas Edison had the light bulb, it really didn't work all that well. So let me tell you, along comes Lewis Howard Latimer. Now Lewis Howard Latimer um, was a a young man who didn't have much of an education. As a matter of fact, so here's something really interesting about him is um, his parents, George and Rachel Latimer, were slaves in the um, state of Virginia. They escaped and got to Boston um, back in the, the 1840s well, as soon as George Latimer got to Boston, he was recognized by a friend of the man who claimed to own George Latimer. That was um, James Gray, and so he was in, uh, put in jail while Rachel went into hiding and was um, hiding off and uh, hiding out in places um, in the Boston area. This case became very famous because uh, what happened is there was a man named William. Channing, who was a Unitarian, who started doing a lot of advertising in the newspapers about the outrage of uh, George being captured and being put in jail. So the the prison area was surrounded by anti slave people. um, And the case was finally found that they let George free. That was very significant because it was one of the beginnings of what then propelled the Fugitive Slave Act which was a law that actually said that um, uh, slaves were not free if they fled to the north. They were allowed to be found and sent back to the people who claimed to own them in uh, in the more southern states. So while George was free, the Fugitive Slave Act came into being, and that's one of the things that actually propelled us towards the Civil War even more. So um, back to um, Lewis Howard Latimer, he was the son of George and Rachel, but because they were always, Rachel was still considered a slave and she was not um, considered free, so they were always on the move and always hiding. So Lewis actually never got to a chance to go to school Um, At 12 years old he started work and then when he was 16 he joined the Civil War for a while and then at the end of the Civil War he got a job and he was working in a patent office. Now he was one of these exceptional people who's just very bright so he saw all these people making patents and he asked he said can I do that too and they were like whatever you know they don't know who he is and he didn't have any education but it turns out that he was incredibly skilled in making patents and making designs. And so they immediately uh, increased his salary five times, started paying him much better wages. And he became an engineer, he became an inventor, and he was exceptional. So one of the things that he did is he got a hold of the light bulb. And what he did is that carbon filament that had broken so fast when Thomas Edison uh, made it, he figured, this uh, Lewis Latimer figured out that if you bake that carbon filament, then it lasts longer. So he is credited with inventing the light bulb that actually lasts for a while. So he is the long light creator in the world. He went on to work with lots of other people. He started working with, um, uh, oh, gosh, now I can't remember, the guy, uh, Graham Bell, who invented the telephone. And then in 1908, Lewis Latimer actually founded the the Unitarian Church um, in Flushing, New York, and then went on to become a well-known poet and an educator and a writer of verse. Um, he spoke three languages. He learned French and German along with English and just became one of those four forebearers of our Unitarian faith, which is why we tell the story today and honor the work that he did. And I close the story about Louis Latimer's um, influence on light in our world as he wrote these words. He said, to love while we live and give aid to each other is the sunshine of life that turns night into day. And that's our story for today.
1: This reading is Among the Stars by David Abrams. Late one evening, I stepped out of my little hut in the rice paddies of Eastern Valley and found myself falling through space. Over my head, the black sky was rippling with stars, densely clustered in some regions, almost blocking out the darkness between them, and more loosely scattered in other areas, pulsing and beckoning to each other. Behind them all streamed a great river of light with its several tributaries. Yet, the Milky Way churned beneath me as well, for my hut was set in the middle of a large patchwork of rice paddies, separated from each other by narrow, two-foot-high dikes, and these paddies were all filled with water. The surface of these poles, by day, reflected, the perfectly, reflected perfectly the blue sky, a reflection broken only by the thin, Bright green tips of new rice. But by night, the stars themselves glimmered from the surface of the paddies, and the river of light whirled through the darkness underfoot as well as above. There seemed no ground in front of my feet, only the abyss of star solid space falling away forever. I was no longer simply beneath the night sky, but also above it the immediate impression was of weightlessness. I might have been able to reorient myself to regain some sense of ground and gravity were it not for a fact that confounded my senses entirely. Between the constellations below and the constellations above drifted countless fireflies, their light flickering like the stars, some drifting up to join the clusters of the stars overhead, others, like graceful meteors slipping down from above to join the still surface of the paddies. I felt myself at times falling to space, at other moments floating and drifting. I simply could not dispel the profound vertigo and giddiness. The paths of the fireflies and the reflections in the water's surface held me in a sustained trance. Even after I crawled back to my hut and shut the door on this whirling world, I felt that now the little room in which I lay was itself floating free of the earth.
0: The air touches us. We feel it as the breeze on our skin or as our hair blows. We feel air as we take it in a deep breath. Moving down our throat, to our lungs, our chest wall. let us take time to imagine the touch of
1: air in our lives. These are the words of Lyle Watson: "Blessed be the wind." Without wind, most of earth would be uninhabitable. The tropics would grow so unbearably hot that nothing could live here. And the rest of the planet would freeze. Moisture, if any existed, would be confined to the oceans and all but the fringe of the great continents along a narrow temperate belt would be desert. There would be no erosion, no soil, and for any community that managed to evolve despite these rigors, no relief from suffocation by their own waste products. But with the wind, Earth comes truly alive. Winds provide the circulatory and nervous systems of the planet. Sharing out energy information, distributing both warmth and awareness, making something out of nothing. All wind's properties are borrowed. Our knowledge of it comes at second hand, but it comes strongly. And this combination of a force that cannot be apprehended, but nevertheless has undeniable existence, was our first experience of the, expi- of the spiritual, a crack in the cosmos that widened to let the tide of consciousness flow through. We are the fruits of the wind and have been seeded, irrigated, and cultivated by its craft.
0: Air has more significance these days than ever
1: before, at
0: least to me. We breathe in air. It is the only element we must have with immediacy. We can live for a while without water. We can live longer without the sustenance of the earth. And we don't rely on fire except for warmth. But air, the air touching our skin, entering our bodies, absorbed into our very cells, The air is the substance of our lives. As soon as we call to mind the air element within the body, we are immediately aware of breathing, aware that air is flowing rhythmically in and out of our body. These days of the COVID-19 pandemic bring to heart and mind the desire to breathe. We long for days when we can breathe freely without a mask to filter our exhalations. And we are aware of this very virus that attacks our respiratory systems, suppressing the sustaining breath of life. These days are that we are becoming more aware of racial inequities, and of a complicit system of oppression, the very words, I can't breathe, they take my breath away. Many of us have held our breath as we have watched the footage of George Floyd slowly suffocating. And we say, don't hold your breath, and someone is waiting impatiently. But we do. We hold our breath when we're anxious or afraid. Releasing your breath relaxes your body. And those who practice breath work, regular deep breathing meditation, have increased energy, better sleep, reduced stress and anxiety, greater pain management, more trauma integration, improved focus, enhanced creativity, a more balanced nervous system, and a stronger immune system. Breathing, breathing deeply is healthy for all of us. And so it is that I lift air up to you as a holy element. And the act of breathing is a spiritual practice. So our communion today is easy. You don't have to do anything new or different. You don't have to bring anything to share. Because our communion is taking a collective breath. Something you were going to do in 10 seconds anyway, with air that surrounds you all the time. I invite each of you to sit back in your chair, relax into it, close your eyes if you wish, settle your feet onto the floor and breathe with me. In. and release that air out slowly. Take a deep breath in again and release that air out. Keep breathing on your own. Breathe your own rhythm as I talk. Feel the air move down your throat into your lungs. Feel your lungs expand. Feel your chest muscles relax. And then contract as the warm air flows out through your throat, through your nose, into the world around you. Keep breathing. Keep breathing. We're taking in and giving out the element of oxygen right now. Right now, air is entering and leaving the body as we each breathe in and out. Right now, air is entering. Oxygen is dissolving in the bloodstream, being taken into the cells to provide energy. And carbon dioxide is being exhaled. There is no boundary between inner air and outer air. There's only one air element, and what's within us is simply borrowed for a few moments. We can't hold on to the air element any more than we can hold on to any of the others. In fact, We can only live by letting go, never by holding on. To hold on, to hold in is to die. And so we reflect that the air element like the other physical elements is not me, not mine. And I am not this. Breathe with me again. Breathe with me the breath of life Inhale, inspire, inspiration. Breathe with me. Know that with each breath we take in molecules of air that were breathed by every person that has ever lived. Breathe with me. We breathe the same molecules as Buddha, Jesus, Mohammed, Moses, and all our saints and loved ones. Breathe with me. And know that we are all interdependent. That the spirit of life flows through all of us. Breathe with me again. That is a collective breath. It is a collective breath we take together. Knowing we breathe for each other, sharing the breath of life with all of creation. May this air nourish you. May it nourish your soul, strengthen your body, strengthen your heart, and sustain your very life. Amen.